Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the P1 podcast. Today, myself, and Tommy are joined by a newly recharged after the summer break, Carlos Sainz. Carlos, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank All you for coming guys. on. You had a good break? Yes, pretty chilled. How was yours? It was good. I cannot complain. Yeah. I had a, a good three weeks off and ready to go again now. And now you're in a rather sunny and glorious Zanvo at the moment. Are you looking forward to this weekend? Yeah, I don't think it's going to be very sunny at the weekend. I think like every race this weekend, there's going to be rain around. So yeah, let's see what we've never run in the wet here with F1. All the weekends, the last two years have been very sunny. Yeah, so yeah. Might be a different soundboard from what we're used to. We shall see. Now we've got loads of questions in from fans and a few from ourselves as well. Uh, don't worry, I'm not going to be asking you about upgrades on the car and things like that. It's more. Thank God. Also, be- <laughs> also because there's no upgrades. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fair. Um, but it's more about getting to know bit more about yourself and yep. the things that you get up to um so, so it's a mix of your questions and fans questions. yeah yeah so I'll, we'll we'll read out some usernames if it's a fan question okay uh, and if it's one of ours um we'll just ask the question and if you don't like the question we'll pretend it was one one of the the, the, the users now deal it's all good <laughs> right um let's start with at f-n-e-x-e uh and it's, it's quite a good one to start with actually uh, how does your hair stay so damn perfect <laughs> Even under a helmet, as he brushes through the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. For audio listeners, he just brushed <laughs> through his glorious hair. Um, I don't think my hair stays perfect under a helmet. No? But I, I don't know why people think it looks good, because when I look at it, when I jump out of the car, I'm like, what a disaster. I should have wear a cap, or I should have done something to it. But in the moment, I don't think, obviously, about my hair. is the last thing I, I think about. But people still think it looks good, so I guess I'm... I'm lucky on that. I don't, I don't know why because I don't do anything in particular. Do you not? No. I guess that would be. That a... was yeah. We had. I re- genuinely think about fifty percent of the questions were, "What's your hair care <laughs> routine?" Okay, my hair care routine. Mm, I shampoo it once a day. That's it. Yeah. And then if I shower two or three times per day, because I normally shower a lot, I'm very hygienic in that sense. Um, I only shampoo it once, though. Yeah. Even if it gets wet, I only do once. If I do it too much, it gets too too fluffy. So once a day, shower two to three times a day. Normally, always in the morning. That's it. Yeah. That's when when I I do my shampoo. Never conditioner. Not conditioning. Never, never, never. never. Just just shampoo. Just Just shampoo once. People say he might do it twice, three times, (laughs) once. Between practice sessions. I don't have time to do it twice. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's writing it down now. (laughs) Good. Uh, This question is from us, actually, and it's, do you see the F1 memes about yourself and edits on TikTok a lot because I always find it quite funny that you see all these memes and edits people are making and I think a lot of people don't realize that drivers might actually see them. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I, and everyone who says 
they don't, they're lying. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> likes seeing, uh, doesn't matter if it's a funny meme or a, or a stupid meme or maybe a meme that is going against you, whatever. We all, it, somewhere or another, another it gets to us. You know, doesn't matter if it's uh, social media or maybe a friend of us that has seen it and sends it to you, taking the piece about you, you know, it's like they, there's, they, it, if it's a good meme or let's say more of the famous memes, they end up getting to you. Um, so yeah, I, I do. The, my favorite ones, I'm not gonna lie, are the ones where people laugh at me for being spaced out. People, I don't know why there's a, a lot of memes about me, like in press conferences and, and places of me being spaced out that I never realize, and I find them funny. So are you actually spaced out in the moment, or would you say you're just looking off into the distance and... For me, in that moment, I just think, okay, I'm being serious, I'm thinking about my stuff, which yeah. is pretty normal, but it's true that maybe the face I put when I think about my stuff is very, like <laughs> if I'm not there, like very spaced out when I look at it, it makes me it makes me laugh and I don't realize how sometimes dumb I look. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next question comes from Sailor May. Do you feel a lot of pressure from fans? Pressure in what sense? Um, expectation, perhaps, or I don't know. However, you see that. Mm. No, I don't think the fans add pressure. I mean, the amount of pressure that we have from ourselves because we are so competitive the teams because obviously we want to perform to for our team and for the 1300 people that work in ferrari that's that's so much pressure that i only see the fan fan base and and supporters as as an added support no it is true that sometimes uh, obviously fans suffer with you know a bad result and you want to give them a, a good result but i always see or most of the times i only see good comments after a bad race or great comments after a good race, no? Um, I, I use them more mm, as an encouragement, no? As a, as a tool to motivate me, to, to encourage me. And I sometimes, even when, when you're a bit down, you've had a bad race, which I never really look at my comments, I go and see. Let's see what these fans are saying. And I see the positive comments of encouragement and it, it lifts you up a bit. And that's why I use it more as a motivator, as a positive tool, more, more than actually pressure or feeling any kind of that. So I guess, um, you know, you just come off the back of the summer break. I'm sure you've seen a few fans already lingering around and, and whatnot. Uh, what, what kind of emotions does it feel to, to see them again after perhaps a break away? And because of course you go from to a life where you're on a boat or whatever, and you're chilling and you're away from that to now back into it again. Uh, you also see them in, in, in when you're in a boat <laughs> and we're, when I'm in Mallorca, you, there's still fans, especially really? nowadays F1. It's, it's booming, you know, and there's fans everywhere. Everyone knows F about F1 now. There's fan base in every country. There's fan base from every country that are what happened to be in Mallorca, Sardinia, Corsica, you know, and, and you still bump into them. Um, while I'm pretty sure four or five years ago, this didn't happen. So it's changed quite a bit. Um, I forgot your question. Uh, it was just around how does it feel, what the emotions like when you see when the you fans get back, again? So yeah, we never really get to miss them because they're always there. Uh, so <laughs> we, <Fair enough. laughs> we, we don't really get to miss the fans because they're they're always there. They're there wherever we go. They're they're there. It is true that probably the fan that comes to a race, it's a proper fun. It means they've spent quite a bit of money of their earnings or or family money, whatever, in coming to a race and wanting to see you live. While probably the people that we bump into restaurants, 
they want that cheeky selfie, you know, to maybe share with their friends, share with their family, like I, how cool I am that I've been in a restaurant with Carlos <laughs> instead of a instead of a proper fund that it's the fund that spends their monthly year earnings to come to a to a race and with them you need to be more more careful you need to be more more i always try and be more give them more of my time more of my smile more of my uh, thanks no thanks. Like, yeah, you know, a couple like of <laughs> to, to make sure they um i i show them appreciation for 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 coming to support us so you mentioned about restaurants actually before we get to the next question tommy uh, what is it like when you go into a restaurant to just go and eat do you, do you kind of feel the eyes sometimes yes. when you walk in and and then you're like right that table they they know of us that table they know of us is that the kind of <laughs> <laughs> yes and um it's again it's impossible not not to know because you enter a place and immediately you see tables going like and 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 you kind <laughs> you of just uh, go what? <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah it's it's like that you get used to it with with time and then obviously normally i have my friends family and everyone a bit like noticing too and, and say, Carlos, that table notice and they might come later. I mean, yeah, yeah, don't worry. And you get used to it. It's it's part of our lives now and it's and you know it's it's gonna happen. Um what can I say? Normally I'm gonna be m- more nice to you if, if you maybe wait until the end of dinner and, and wait till I stand up and and you've seen that we've all finished dinner and, and I will happily take a picture, hug you, whatever you want. Um, if you are interrupting dinner or you are, it's a bit more uncomfortable. But you're not getting a hug. You normally get in. <laughs> normally, you get the the good one, especially. Okay, you write that down, everyone. After dinner, not during. All right. Or before. <laughs> or before. Or before. But, but, but before <laughs> is dangerous because before you come hungry. and take the picture, and then the whole restaurant notices that you're there. Ah, Sometimes you go yeah, a bit course. incognito, and um, yeah, they take a. A picture with you, so all the restaurant notices, and then the whole restaurant's waiting yeah. maybe to go and take a picture. The in. chefs, everyone, yeah. and then you're like, "Cook my food!" So like, come on, if you wait until the end, it's always better because it's no one notices. Uh, this one's from Dav dot block. Uh, when and how did the smooth operator thing evolve? So it started happening. It was 2019 British Grand Prix. Um, I must have heard this song in the radio a couple of times that weekend, but I've heard it, I had heard heard it before. It was just a matter of, it's a typical song that they always play in restaurants, in chilling atmospheres, you know, that the song is always in the background. You never notice Smooth Operator playing, but it, it's true, you never play the radio and say, oh, this is Smooth Operator, but it was playing People in the background. People do now because of you. Yeah. Well, now, now, <laughs> now I hear it all the time. But, um, and yeah, I remember I stuck the song in my head and that weekend I was singing it. Uh, walking around the paddock, walking with my engineers doing the truck work, I was singing Smooth Operator. And I didn't know really the meaning of that song uh, until after the race, I suddenly started singing it because I had a good race, I guess. I was happy. I sang it to my engineer at the time, uh, Tom Stallard in, in McLaren. And um, it caught a massive reaction uh, once they played the radio and everything after F1 played the radio. It got a very big uh, reaction, and, and since then, I guess I was forever a smooth operator. I didn't know it was going to be like that. I'm interested to know, actually, at this point, are you sick of the song because of how much people have associated it with you? No, not yet. <laughs> also, because if you look carefully, I don't overuse it on the radio. I've only used it two or three times ever in my career, and 
I don't use it too much because I only save it to really days that maybe I find meaningful for me, no? That's why I don't, I try not to, not to use it too much, but also I think TikTok did a remix with the song lately and, and went viral. So you've re-downloaded TikTok now? No, that? no, no. <laughs> this was like a, three, four months ago. And then the song was playing everywhere, but it was a remix, a actually really good remix that you should hear. And the song went viral without nothing to do with me, but it went viral again. Wow. Oh, it had something to do with you, I'm sure. No, no, honestly, if the song was playing in every in every single video. Really? It was coming up on my TikTok. Do you, do you plan stuff like that? So you know like how footballers maybe have that, oh, if I score a great goal, this is how I'm going to celebrate. Do you ever think, do Formula 1 drivers like yourself ever think of, oh, if I have a good race today, I'm going to say this on the radio, or is it just completely like you're just in the moment and something happens like that and you just can't predict what you're going to say? I think I've never planned it. Never really plan anything. The other day I met a young young fan, a very um, twelve year old kid, and the kid dedicated a rap to me. Like he met me and say, "I I practice raps and and I come up with a rap for you." And he played the rap and uh, he was like rapping. And then as he was leaving, he came to see me on a paddleboard. He saw me from the distance and came to see me on a paddleboard. And when he left, he said, "Carlos, when you win again." Can you celebrate for me? Uh, or can you do a celebration that I can spot that it was, uh, uh, and you can remember me? Say, yeah, go on, tell me what do you want me to celebrate? He was like rapping with the steering wheel like this. So, okay, whenever I win, I'll do like, like this. Yes. Uh, we need to see that. Well, we're gonna, we're, Not we're, just because we want someone else to win, but just because yeah. we need <laughs> to see that as well. Well, your old kid, he was brave to like have that kind of, I was surprised like I, he, to have that kind of play a rap for me, like play no sing a rap for me. So he did it live as opposed live, to... Live, live. Okay. He just improvised live to me. And then he went, he caught on his paddleboard, jumped on his paddleboard and said, when you win, I want you to do like, okay, cool. Oh, we, we will Very look fun. out for that. that. That'd be amazing. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Next question comes from uh, Kieran Daly. Why Formula One and not rallying like your father? Why? Because when I was uh, 10 years old, um, I was switching on the TV to watch Formula One races with my dad. My dad had just stopped racing at the time in 2004 in rallying. He retired from World Rally Championship. And I remember I, I was waking, up, waking him up at 3 a.m. to watch Australian Grand Prix here in Europe, you know, and um, we both started following Formula One together. And then he said, okay, 2005, we went to Spanish Grand Prix, Barcelona. I met Fernando Alonso, Michael Schumacher. I was lucky enough that my dad obviously had access to, to the paddock. And I, I remember meeting all my heroes at the time and going to Ferrari, going to Renault. And when I came back from that trip in 2005, I was 10 years and a half. Uh, I told my dad, oh, I want to be like Fernando Alonso. I want to be a Formula One driver. 
um, how do we do this? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we started the planning, we started go-karting, which categories to do. Obviously, people helped us also at the time, and, and my path just went F1. I love rallying, but I just never really got to see my dad winning in rallying or got to follow my dad in rallying, so I fell for, for Formula 1 oh, at the time. Uh, I, uh, when I was growing up, Michael Schumacher was my absolute idol. Like, if he was at the race, I'd turn off the TV, kind of like, what was your experience of meeting Michael? Because you said that he was a hero of yours at the time as well. Because I'm, I'm, I'm an absolute fanboy, I'd love to know what your experience was of meeting him. Well, I met him at a very young age, like anything between 10 and 13 years old, because I also raced for his karting team in Germany. I, I raced the German championship of KF3. And I met him once in in Germany, and I just I think I was just too naive to realize I was meeting Michael Schumacher. I, at the time, I was just a fanboy, but I was not like uh, like getting too nervous. When if I would have met him at 16, when I truly knew who Michael Schumacher was, like when I knew the history, what he had done. When you're 12, 13, you're a bit like the boy of the rap. You, you're, just, <laughs> yeah. you're just there having a laugh, you know, fun. Oh yeah, great, Michael Good Schumacher. Man. But I, it was later when I realized how lucky I was to have met him. It was later when I realized how, how important, how huge he was, you know. And at the time, I remember just my dad telling me, you're going to meet Michael Schumacher, shake his hand, look at his face, be nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I was like so relaxed, like uh, enjoying it more than, more than anything else. Oh, amazing. Awesome. Uh, Sam Tucci 08 asks, what did you think when Ferrari offered you that first contract? Well, when they offered me this, that contract, we were in the middle of COVID. So we we're all stuck at home. Um, so I had a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> Imagine being stuck at home for two months. And that was when we did all the negotiation with Ferrari. And um, yeah, I had a lot of time to think about it. And to this time, I really have had time you know, to, to think. It's not like we were racing, going race to race and leaving my management team to, to, to hold the negotiations. This time I could get involved and I could, um, and I was actually in my parents' home and, and I, we were like all the family and knowing how everything was developing and is it gonna happen, it's happening. One day at 9 a.m. I woke up in my pajamas and I signed the contract in, in my pajamas, you know, so oh, everything amazing. happened so, <laughs> so quickly that, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was great. Um, the feeling, of, I don't think I need to describe it. It's the proudest moment of my career until then, or to, to put a pen on paper, you know, <laughs> and sign it telematically or, or by fax, or how do you call it now? Um, they send, I sign it and I have to send it yeah, back. Yeah. It was a bit weird, but uh, COVID times, I guess. Yeah. I, bet, I bet it didn't feel real at that point, you know, doing that and being stuck and everyone stuck at home and you're like, oh, it's time for Ferrari and off it goes sort of thing. <laughs> I, I couldn't, couldn't celebrate it also. Yeah. It was like, I couldn't tell anyone. I couldn't, it was like, uh, it was weird, but um, it was good. I had, um, we had dinner that day with my whole family. Just, it was a good news in a bad moment, like it was COVID, you know, and how bored everyone was. And obviously with the bad news on the TV, we had like our very nice moment or nice week, you know, when, when that happened. Yeah, had a nice wholesome family yeah. moment, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of celebrations, at The Real Troon Spoon, how did you celebrate after Silverstone 2022? I actually had a, a lot of fun. 
celebrating that because I flew home and my friends were waiting for me at home. But it was pure coincidence because I was, I invited my six best friends to jump on an F1 three-seater with me. Oh, um, so it was the first experience for them in an F1 car, or close to an F1 car. But this was planned like a month before, you, know, you had to book flights and you need to let them know who you are inviting. And I remember going back home that day, like super happy for my first F1 win, but even happier because I actually had my friends coming to meet me in Bologna airport. I was gonna pick them up and we were all gonna go together to the next day to, to run, drive them in a Formula One car after I had just won my first Formula One race with Ferrari. Then I took them to Montana, to Cavallino, to all the typical restaurants. I showed them the, the museum, showed them a factory tour. So it was like a, a perfect celebration or my style of perfect celebration that I, I was looking forward to and it was coincidental. Yeah, it's almost like it was fate, if, uh, if you believe in that, maybe you do. Um, that is interesting. If not, I, I wouldn't have done anything. I would just fly in my home, back yeah. home. What was, what was your friend's reaction to going in the three-seater? Well, you cannot imagine. <laughs> it was so cool. Yeah. It was really, really cool because um, it is the first time that you can show the people that obviously care about you and that they follow you every day on TV to really let them know what you are actually doing and how much more difficult everything is than what they see on TV how much fast everything happens, how much vibrations there is in a car, how low you are to the ground. And then I was telling them, okay, now imagine this, but with 20 cars around you. It's not a single push lap, you know, like imagine this, but with 20 cars around you. And imagine this, but twice the speed, because a three-seater is not an F1 car. And we had a, a lot of fun. And I think since then, obviously a level of respect and appreciation to, for what I do, I also took my manager, my, and my trainer Rupert, my family, my 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 parents. So yeah, it's it was a good opportunity. I guess that's the only way, as you say, for your friends, your family to actually understand. Because you can say, oh yeah, it's really fast. But until my dad they... understands, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. Also because he drove an F one once. Uh, but obviously, my mum. Imagine <laughs> she's probably now even more worried after. <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> uh, speaking of Silverstone twenty two, uh, new romantics asked. Excluding Silverstone 2022, what's your favorite race of your career? Ooh, my favorite race of my career. I would say Brazil 2019, my first podium at the time. I really did my best ever race there. I did a, a honestly, if I look back at that race, I, you know, we always are very self critical and, and I always find things that I could have done better. Brazil 2019, that's like my, I don't know how you call it, but my, my best race in F1 until now, for sure. Um, Did you start last? I started last. Yeah. And I came back through the field, but I came back like unmarried. And I remember in practice, we were actually not that quick, but for some reason that day I woke up and I was really, really quick. And um, and I made like really bold moves. I remember the move on Perez, Kvyat, I did a, a few midfield moves that maybe like always at the time went a bit undercover because I remember we were not on TV much at the time. Oh yeah, I remember that. We were always like, where's Carlos? Exactly. Yeah. Well, that was such a yeah, thing, wasn't it? That was it? like In a meme, 2019, it? Like, it was a meme that they never showed you. Exactly. I was like, yeah. they were calling me the ghost or something, but yeah. they would never show. And I was doing like, especially that year in McLaren, I felt really confident on the brakes with that car. 
and I did my best overtakings have been done in those two years in McLaren for sure because of how I felt with the car with the brakes. And I remember I was going uncovered. I was like, no one's seen this. Yeah. I've just done a great nice highlight. So did, did I even take part? Like, it, was, it was so weird. Because I remember all of us, us fans were like, Carlos is making 10 positions up and we've not seen one of the overtakes. Exactly. Um, so yeah, we were feeling your pain as well because we wanted to see that. I'd say that race. Then. No, yeah. I'll take that race. A question from that, actually. So you said that you know that's probably the closest thing to perfection uh, for a race for you. Are there, are there many races that you would say where you went, I have absolutely given everything here and yet no one's really going to know because I finished sixth or, or whatever. Like, do you, is, is there a lot of those, would you say? Yeah, especially when you're a part of the midfield, you, you have that feeling. Um, and I was in the midfield many, 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 many years. <laughs> I was in the midfield. Even my first year in Ferrari, we were in the midfield. No, we were finished third, but we were part more part of the midfield than part of Mercedes and Red Bull. And those years were tough because you felt like you drove like like if you could have won that race but you finish eighth you finish seventh sixth maybe on a good day top five perfect day a podium but um yeah you never felt full full like full credit or full full attention no and when the drives felt some of them felt really good and i feel for all the other drivers in the midfield now and all the other drivers at the time in the midfield with me because it was like we were like eight to ten drivers within two tenths of a second and it was all a, a battle to finish seventh behind Mercedes Ferrari and Red Bull and who caught seventh you knew that that guy that weekend had done a really good weekend that was like the winner of Formula 1.5 we used to call exactly, it exactly so, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. No, it was because we were finishing like one lap behind those those guys and um and I remember that we had a good healthy competition between us and uh, whoever was winning that 1.5, you knew he had a, a solid weekend. <laughs> That's interesting. Do you, do you, did you find it back then quite frustrating, I suppose, that you know you, you execute everything, you finish seventh, Formula 1.5 win or whatever, and yet the, the other three teams are half a lap ahead or whatever? Mm, not because towards the end of the year, people gave credit to it. I remember I won that 1.5 battle in 19 and 20 also, probably. And people really did give credit to that and gave me credit for it later in the year. There were some individual drives that yes, but when people looked at the overall end of the year performance, I did feel like I got the credit I, at the time I deserved. Nice. Um, question from Pitt with me. How did the nickname Chili come to be? I don't have an exact explanation or idea of how it came, but my conclusion is that since I'm 16, 17, we were 18 years old, going out with my friends and just hanging around them. I think whenever they were having a couple of extra beers, my nickname or my name were deviated from Carlos to Charlie to Charlie to Chile. <laughs> because my, my friends, friends, I remember calling them calling me Charles or Ch Charlie. Yeah. And I think it went from Carlos to Charles to Charlie to Ch Ch Chile. <laughs> so just a bit of a yeah chilling. so it has nothing to do with how spicy i might be or uh, me liking spicy food yeah. <laughs> there's nothing uh, about that it's, it's just, just some of your friends yeah. slurring potentially <laughs> lowering exactly <laughs> if your nickname was charles at ferrari that would be very confusing yeah. 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 <laughs> my sister calls me charles sometimes oh really what um so we've asked this question to every f1 driver and you can take it as serious or funny as you like 
Um, what's one rule that you change in F1 and why? Like a regulation or... That or I change. One rule. Wow, this is a difficult one. I'm sure there's one, but I think once a year, we should all go to Macau and race in F3 or... Macau, wow. You know, that would be crazy. Plenty of one drivers go there. How, how close do you genuinely think the whole grid would be if it was a Macau spec cars? I think in um, Macau is different. Macau is, could be more different. It's not or a normal track. Normal <laughs> track, if we all go tomorrow to Barcelona, let's say, and we do a qualifying lap, in normal dry conditions, six sets of new soft, like we always have, I don't think there's more than half a second between us. Exactly what our concept. Yeah. Half second delay, like, something like that. And, I, and that's one given day. We go next weekend to Silverstone, and the guy that is half a second off in unqualified P20 in Barcelona might be P3, P4, because he's had a much better day and might be towards the top of the field, and, and another one might have a bad day and be half a second off, but not more than half a second, six tenths maximum. Do you have circuits that you're particularly good at or is it so reliant on like a car setup that you just have to feel good in the car for it to all come together or is it a bit of both i've had both both examples i had examples where i know i have three or four tracks per year that i'm gonna be very good at and i know those are my good hunting round tracks uh, but then i've also gone to circuits that i normally very slow and then one year not very slow, sorry. I'm not very slow. <laughs> it's not, not great. <laughs> or my past statistics say I'm not great at, but then one year with a good setup, you feel a bit better, you find a couple of tricks, and you put it in a much better place than you were before. Same happens with the good tracks. Sometimes you, for some reason, you go to a track, you feel something weird in the car, and you're just maybe you're not having as good a good time as you should have. So I guess with, with that, and obviously sometimes the setup's not right and a mistake might happen. How do you kind of process, say you go into a gravel trap or whatever, you have a crash and then you come back after a practice session. How do you bounce back from that personally? Because I know I'm sure there are many different ways of doing that. Mm. Normally I try to think about the number of laps that I've done that I haven't put it on a gravel trap. So it's one out of how many laps have I done yeah. in Formula yeah, 1. Yeah, yeah. And you see <laughs> yeah. the chances of me doing that again or, or doing a mistake like that are one in a million from now. Piece five done it now in and then you realize that it's a mistake that can happen. You're an F one, you're pushing, you're pushing the limits. You did a mistake, analyze, understand, move on because the chances of you doing it again are so small that it's not worth dwelling on it and killing yourself for it. It's very easy to massacrate yourself telling yourself you are stupid, like your friend Charles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very easy you know, to, to, to tell you that I'm so stupid. But um, in the reality is that mistakes are going to happen and we all do them. And um, yeah, you just need to analyze and recover from them. That's, that's fascinating to hear. Right then, I hope you've enjoyed this whopping half an hour with Carlos Sainz and you best believe we've got another half an hour coming tomorrow. So stay tuned, peel your ears, subscribe wherever you are in this audio world to remind you to come back here tomorrow for another whopping 30 minutes of Carlos Sainz and P1. See you there.
is a Stack production and part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 